This is the Grit and Barrett podcast, a podcast devoted to the 11-time Carter Cup champion, the Hershey Bears. We talk Hershey Bears, the American Hockey League, and all the hockey news that matters to me. This is high energy, unfiltered, and at times unfocused hockey talk from a hack. And now, on with the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Game Over where we say goodbye to each and every NHL team or attempt to, whether they want to or not. It's the offseason, everyone, and it's time to look back so we can look ahead here on the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Richard Blosser, your host, your proprietor of this clam bake. As the season's done, we're moving on. It's the it's the end of the – well, it's not the end of the summer, as Theory of a Dead Man one once said, but it's the end of it all. Those days are gone. We're moving on. So to move on, we must look back and see how things are. And joining me is is one of the two Knicks who helped me, you know, get on my way with the Hockey Podcast Network. They are the host of the tip of the iceberg of a team that has won multiple Stanley Cups, including the back-to-back in the in the salary cap era, and they are more than happy to tell tell you that. It was a little bit of a rough one for these boys this season, and I'm bringing them on early because, well, they're my team, and this is my dumb show, and that's how things are going to be. I'm talking about none other than your Pittsburgh Penguins. Joining me is Nick Berlansky of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. Nick, as always, good to have you on, brother. Welcome aboard. Always good to be on. You know, Richard, that I love... Anytime I get to come back and be on a uh, hockey podcast network show, and certainly one of yours, because uh, you were one of the first people that uh, that I talked to on the hockey podcast network a lot, and really got close to. So uh, always a joy to come on the show, and excited to talk a little bit about the Pittsburgh Penguins. All right, thank you, thank you so much, brother. As as always, the feeling is mutual. So let's get right into it. I will ask you the same question I ask all the teams that come on. What happened? Even though you and me are followers of the black and gold and I watched this this train. <laughs> what the heck happened? Yeah. Uh Ron Hextall totaled the car. That, that's that's the best way I can put it because he did it in Philadelphia, but I would say Philadelphia was more of a Honda Civic when he took over there. He took over a Porsche in Pittsburgh and he ran it right into a, a street pole. So uh the bottom six was not good enough. The defense dropped from sixth to 21st in, in goals expected goals allowed per 60 minutes. So they dropped it tremendously. Tristan Jari was injured all season. I mean, it, honestly, Richard, it's pick your poison. There was a lot of things that went wrong for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, fortunately, none of that had to do with their core players that they brought back. Uh, that actually ended up being one of the best parts of the season, as I'm sure we'll get to. But uh, when it comes to what happened and why they missed the playoffs for the first time since 2006, uh, Lack of defensive efficiency, struggles in the net, and just not enough of a team built around uh, that star players that had a tremendous season. So uh, there's a lot of work to be done this offseason for the Penguins to get back to uh, to the glory that you mentioned early on here. I think this is the first time in the better part of a decade where you actually had Crosby and Malkin for a full 82 games. That's just how much of a rarity that is. I'll do you one better. This is the first season ever 
that both Crosby and Malkin played 82 games at the same time. Uh, they had never done that before in their career. So for the first time ever, uh, Crosby and Malkin both played 82 games in a season. Uh, Crosby was asked about that by Nick Horwat at the uh, end of the season. And he said, you know what? I would have taken 81 games in a playoff bid, but uh, it's just not how it worked out. Wait, our our friend Nick actually got to ask, the other Nick got to ask Sidney Crosby a question. Yeah, uh, my buddy Horwat, who's also from Tip of the Iceberg podcast, uh, also from Inside the Penguins, which is where we house the show uh, and where we write. He was a credentialed media member uh, this year, so he had uh, the opportunity to talk to Sid a couple times this year. My goodness. I mean, I, <laughs> I had a couple of those with Hershey this year. Um, congrats to him um, for pulling that off. It, it, it's a great experience and truly humbling as well. But um, but Oh, yeah, wow. make, makes makes our show better, too. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, I mean, you, you, you can say that feels like a wasted season. Um, and we're okay. I got to ask this out of all the moves that, that Hackstall did this season. I know Ron Hackstall is a different person, but people are going to call him a hack anyway. Mm -hmm. Was the grand lens signing the worst? Yeah, it, it, it's really hard to go go anywhere else with that because when you think about it when the season started it probably was a toss up between Kasperi Kapanen getting the same amount of money or Jeff Carter having a no move clause but the way that Ron Hextall was able to clear out the cap space and get rid of some of his mistakes Kapanen being one of them Brock McGinn being another uh, and then also getting Teddy Bluger off the books to try to clear out about six million dollars in cap space for the trade deadline to use it on a guy in Mikhail Granlund who, let's let's face it, he's just not the player that he once was. And to not only do it for Mikhail Granlund, who has struggled and, and didn't contribute anything to the Pittsburgh Penguins, but to do so and eat up $5 million, the entire $5 million of his contract for the next two seasons, it, it was just a masterclass in, in, in fumbling the bag. And, and that's probably one of the main reasons Ron Hextall is gone. And same with Chris Pryor, who was his number two, who, uh, who after the end of it all, we heard was the uh, the mastermind behind that acquisition. Ulfta, that is, wow. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the only thing I liked about that was that he was wearing my number 64. But, you know, you, the, the Jeff Carter thing, while that sucks, you could argue he's the grizzled old veteran of the team, even though you could say Crosby and Mulkin are that a little bit with their age being the elder statesman. But um, you can at least say that with Jeff. You could make an excuse for Carter. The Grandland, there was just nothing there. It just didn't work out to where almost embarrassingly it it didn't. Um, so I'm also going to ask you this as, as a Pens fan. Um, how hard what, was it to watch this downfall the last five games of the season? I wouldn't even say it was the last five because uh, you go into a couple of those games where they were winning. They still had an opportunity. I, I mean, entering the last week of the season, the Pittsburgh Penguins, all they had to do was beat the Chicago Blackhawks and the Columbus Blue Jackets. Both teams finished in the bottom five of the league this year. So you, you had hope now whether or not you believed that they were going to go on to, to do what the Florida Panthers did and, and take that spot and run with it the way they did. That's a different story. But you believed at least going into the last week of the yeah. season, okay, they'll get into the playoffs. We'll get to watch playoff hockey. Uh, I'll get to cover playoff hockey once again, which is always a great time. But you lose that game to Chicago, and then we've talked about it before on the show so many times. Crosby, Malkin, 
and and Latang all play their first meaningless hockey game of their entire careers. I mean, Malkin and, and Latang of their entire careers, Crosby did in his rookie season, but against Columbus, there was no stakes. And that's the first time that that's yeah. happened in 18 years. Uh, so it was very, very strange. Uh, I'll put it that way. I Watching that last game against Columbus, it was, it was an interesting experience and just, and you know, covering it and talking about it. Uh, it. It's something that I certainly hope to not have to do again next year. Uh, but it was a strange, strange final week of the season, especially once they lost to Chicago. It just kind of felt like there's no chance that they're going to make it now because they would have needed uh, both of the other two teams, the Islanders and the uh, Florida Panthers, to lose out at that point. You have Boston fans, Maple Leafs fans, and Hurricanes fans all yelling at the at the Penguins saying, you did this! You unleashed this evil upon us! Yeah, yeah, you're not wrong there. I mean, the butterfly effect of the Pittsburgh Penguins not being able to beat the lowly Chicago Blackhawks just completely, I mean, you can go ahead and ask uh, the head coaches of some of the teams on and it's just it's ridiculous how how much has stemmed from them just failing at home against the team that's now going to pick first overall. Unreal. So let's let, that's a good segue. Let's move into the draft. That um correct me if I'm wrong, I think the Pens are picking 14th. If yep. I'm correct. 14th. Yes. So they are in the upper half. Yes, the upper half of the draft, which is something they have not done for a while. Mm-hmm. So um are they going to keep that pick or are they openly shopping it? And if they are going to keep it, what are they looking for? <laughs> I was a little afraid that you were going to ask me that because with, with the fact that uh, Kyle Dubas has just been in, in place for about two weeks, there's not really much chance for any of us to go any do any digging around to see really what he's thinking about that pick. But I mean, the 14th overall selection and a draft that is touted as a, a pretty talented draft, especially in the top t- 15, top 20. Uh, it would be hard-pressed for the Pittsburgh Penguins to trade that pick away for just anyone. Uh, so if they're going to trade it away, I would say that they would have to do it for a goaltender. Uh, there's a couple of names out there that are pretty highly touted. I mean, Jonas, not Jonas Corpusalo, he'll be a free agent, so that might be an option for the Penguins. But uh, UC Soros, uh, that's a goaltender. I could see them trading the first four, or Connor Hellebuck, who's also reportedly on the trade block. Uh, but honestly... My gut feeling, and and again, this doesn't go with any whispers. This doesn't go with anything I'm hearing. It's just a gut feeling. My gut feeling is that Kyle Dubas holds on to that pick and makes the selection at 14th overall. Uh, Now, when it comes to the picks behind that, I'm not sure what he's going to do with it, but I just don't think that there's going to be somebody out there that's going to be enticing enough for the Pittsburgh Penguins to trade the pick, especially considering what else they'd have to give up in order to get that that certain player i'm not sure who's out there uh if it's hellebuck sure but i I feel like connor hellebuck's gonna fetch more than just a first round pick and and a mediocre prospect which let's face it that's what the penguins have right now in their system yeah so uh let, let let's move ahead into july a little bit as with the the uh the trade deadline uh pittsburgh's expirings are as followed and assuming i'm reading cap friendly correctly here are the forwards are Drew O'Connor, Ryan Painting. I said that wrong, I know. Um, Josh Archibald, Nick Benino, Dan Heinen, and Jason Zucker. Defensively, Brian Dumoulin and Dmitry Kulikov and Tristan Jari are all coming off the books this July. Um, according to Cap Friendly, which all you hockey podcasters are listening, should be in your bookmarks. If not, do it now. Um, have about $20 million in cap space to, to work with 
and um, some draft picks to to work with um, as well. So um, do any of those you think will actively be staying or um, do they indeed go out and get Connor Hallibuck, who appears to be the prize bell of the ball in this free agency season? Uh, the goaltender situation for Pittsburgh is top priority. Uh, whether or not Tristan Jari comes back, that remains to be seen. That's a huge, huge discussion that that's going to play out over the next three, four weeks here in the off season. Uh, so with Tristan Jari's uncertainty, you look at the rest of the, uh, the the free agents there. I would say most of them are probably gone, right? I mean, you look at the defense. Brian Dumoulin clearly ha- has shown his age. Clearly has shown. Uh, the effects of multiple major knee issues and major knee surgeries. He's 31 years old. uh, And last year, really, it it was tough trying to get some useful minutes out of Brian Dumoulin for the most part throughout the season. So I would assume he's gone. Dmitry Kulikov, that that trade made no sense uh, whatsoever other than maybe trying to get Brock McGinn's number off the books. But as we mentioned earlier, uh, they wasted that cap space uh, and just made it even worse and and turned it into somebody that's not going to help them in the future or in the near uh in the recent whatever uh, i I'm, I'm blanking on the words but um mm-hmm. no i would i wouldn't think kulikov or doomlin come back and then forward wise you know o'connor's an rfa uh and o'connor is i don't want to say teacher's pet because that that means that he's kind of kissing up to mike sullivan but he is mike sullivan's favorite uh, right in the bottom six he does everything Mike Sullivan asks him to do. He's young, he's fast, he forechecks hard, and he's an RFA. So I, I would assume he comes back. Ryan Paling, I think they really liked what they saw out of him in year one with the Pittsburgh Penguins. So I'd be surprised if he doesn't get tendered an, a qualifying offer as an RFA. Uh, and Jason Zucker's a big question mark because Zucker loved it in Pittsburgh. And he, he had multiple quotes from Seth Rohrbaugh of the Triv uh, that said, you know, I want to be back, but it's out of my hands at this point, basically putting it on the onus of the Pittsburgh Penguins organization. but. At the same time, Jason Zucker had a heck of a season last year, and he is going to be due some serious cash. And with the Pittsburgh Penguins needing to rebuild their bottom six, uh, rebuild their defense because it was not good last year, figure out their goaltending situation, I'm just not sure there's going to be room for Jason Zucker. Now, if he takes a massive discount to stay, I think the Penguins would love to have him back. He's a great locker room guy on the ice. He is an energy guy. He's a spark plug, and he has a great shot and showed that he still has the potential to put up 20-plus goals a season. So if there's a deal to be had there, I would love to see the Penguins go back and and get Jason Zucker. But the only problem is there are so many other holes that they need to fill, and they already do have five of their top six spots filled on their their forward lineup, and they could probably get away with, especially if they're helping bolster their bottom six, they could probably get away with finding somebody a little bit cheaper, uh, a little bit younger to play alongside of getting Malkin on the second line. Yeah, Zucker is 31, which is the back half of the roller coaster for any hockey player. Mm-hmm. Um, but any team could talk themselves into maybe you get maybe two, three more good years out of a forward at that point. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's going to go out and get like a five or six year deal, although stranger things have happened, no. signing until he's 37. <laughs> um, not in Pittsburgh, but some team like like taking him. Um, but a bit of a bonus question here um and this is just a little bit more for my sake um does alex nylander stick around or does he get dealt uh considering he just signed a new contract i I think they like him and honestly i'm not sure how high a lot of teams around the league are on him Uh, he was a project for the pittsburgh penguins when they acquired him in in kind of a one-for-one deal for sam lafferty from the chicago blackhawks 
So w- when I look at Alex Nylander, I look at somebody that when he we came up to the NHL level last season, he impressed early on. He ended up playing on a line with Evgeny Malkin, and then things tapered off. He didn't get the results. He only scored one goal, one assist in, uh, I believe it was nine games last year for the Pittsburgh Penguins, but they liked what they saw from him. I mean, he moves the puck well. He is much better defensively than than a lot of people expected, including me, expected him to be at the NHL level. So they tendered him a one-year deal in that weird time where they didn't have a general manager or a president of hockey operations. I would still like to know who signed that contract, but uh, he, he came on for league minimum for one year on a one-way deal. So they're not going to send him through waivers. It, it seems like they're planning on having him on the NHL roster next year. So I would think that he's pretty safe in Pittsburgh. All right. Good stuff there. There, Nick, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back right after this. And Bears fans, don't forget the proud sponsor of this podcast, DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Bet just $5 and get 150 in bonus bets instantly with code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling gambling problem? Call one eight hundred call one eight hundred Gambler in Massachusetts. Call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. In New York, call eight seven seven eight Hope NY or text Hope NY. In Kansas, call one eight hundred five two two forty seven hundred on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. In West Virginia, West Virginia gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. All games regulated by the West Virginia Lottery. lottery. <laughs> Please play responsibly in partnership with Hollywood Casino at Char- Charlestown Races in Connecticut. Help is av- available for, ga- for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or, call- or visit CC pg.org 21 plus in most eligible states but age varies by jurisdiction see draftkings.com sportsbook for details and state specific responsible gambling resources bonus bets expire seven days after insurance and one boost per eligible game opted required max bet 50 dollars 10 10 plus leg required for 100 boost eligibility wagering and deposit restrictions apply terms it sportsbook DraftKings.com slash baseball terms. All right. And we're back here on Game Over talking talking with Nick Berlansky of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast about the Pittsburgh Penguins. So it is time for the portion of the show where we call the one question, one big question. Our guest doesn't know what's being asked. I don't even know what's going to be asked. So we're all going to have a little bit of fun, fun along the way. So my question to you would be, um, what do you want for Flurry, Minnesota? Kidding, kidding, absolutely kidding, K- kidding on that one. Or am I? I am kidding on that one. That that's that's not what it is. That'll be asked there in Pittsburgh plenty of times. Um, the question to you would be, what necessarily is this team's vision for the next couple of years? Is it? to be competitive on the back part of Crosby and Malkin's contracts. Um, I know saying another cup is obvious, but is it really doable? Like we've seen with, with I get to say this with the capitals because those teams seem to be joined at the hip. They know what they want to do over the next couple of years. Get Ovi's goal record. Fine. 
what is the Pens vision? Like, what do they want to do with the last couple of years of this era in Pittsburgh? Well, Richard, if you would have asked me that two months ago when Ron Hextall was still in charge, I probably wouldn't have had an answer for you because Ron Hextall was very tight-lipped about his plans for, for the Pittsburgh Penguins' future. But when Kyle Dubas was hired a few weeks back, he came out and, and laid it all out for everybody. He said, listen, this is going to be a, quote, two-pronged approach. We're going to try to put the best team on the ice every single night to help the core, which is Crosby, which is Malkin, uh, which is Chris Letang. We're going to help them every single night the best that we can to win games and, and still shepherd a team that could go to the Stanley Cup final and could bring, win another Stanley Cup final while also trying to close the gap. And that was a huge thing for me because with Hextall, even before him with Jim Rutherford, we didn't hear about the gap. It was, hey, we're trying to think about the future while still trying to win a Stanley Cup now. And, and that was great. That was that was the company line for, for years on end. Uh, but Kyle Dubas came in and he changed that narrative because he said, you know what? We're going to close the gap, which means for the first time that I've heard, or at least that I can remember, somebody in the Pittsburgh Penguins organization has admitted that they expect there to be a gap after the Crosby, Malkin, and Latang era between then and the next era of competitive Penguins hockey where they can go out and compete for a Stanley Cup. It was obvious. Everybody knows that's going to happen. You're seeing it in Chicago right now. You saw it in Detroit after the Henrik Zetterberg, Nick Lidstrom years. It's obvious that it's going to happen because you trade away so many picks. You empty out your prospect system. You know there's going to be a gap. But what Kyle Dubas did is he said, we're aware of it. He, I'm going to outwardly tell you that we know it's there. And the plan is to now close the gap as much as possible. I don't think you're ever going to close that gap entirely. There's going to be a year at the very least. Uh, that would be that would be the best case scenario for the Penguins, that there's one year uh, that there is just no contention. They are completely out of it. They need to rebuild. One year would be great. We all know it's going to be several years, though. And the question now is, can Kyle Dubas close that gap while still giving Crosby, Malkin, and Letang all the help that they need to win a cup? That's the direction for the Pittsburgh Penguins closing that gap while still trying to go out there and win a Stanley Cup. There is always a, a drop-off, a fallout, a gap, like you say, when teams come off a, a golden era. And for Penns fans, you can that at least would remember that would probably be between 2009, 2000, 2009, 1999 and 2005. You know, the really dark eras of Penguins hockey, that that was a good fall-off the final days of, of Lemieux. And you're right. We're seeing that with, with Chicago right now. And um, it's going to sting for a couple of years, but I like that Dubas is trying to, like you said, bridge the gap, stop the bleeding, whatever insert buzzword here you want that, that he wants to try and make it as painless as possible because there is going, going to be a time where it's not going to be pretty there at PPG paints arena. But I like that, from what you said, Dubas has already seems to have a plan as how we're going to approach those years without, without 87, 71 and 58. So let's take a, let's look ahead to the fall. So a couple more questions, Nick, before we get you out of here, why should Penguins fans be optimistic heading into October? It's the same answer that I could have given you the last 17 seasons. Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, and Chris Letang are all still extremely talented players and can lead this team as long as they are supplanted by a half-decent supporting cast, which they weren't last season, and they were one point out of still being a playoff team. 
Can you build around them? I, I trust that Dubas can because we just talked about it. Sounds like he has more of an idea of what he's doing and more of a plan of action to move forward with. So I feel like the team is going to, at least on paper, be better next season. And better than this season, at least by one point, would mean that they're a playoff team. And that's already a step forward. And that's what you need if you're the Pittsburgh Penguins. That's the first step to getting back to Stanley Cup contention. But Crosby had 93 points. Evgeny Malkin had over a point per game. Jake Gensel scored 30 goals in a seemingly down season. Uh, same thing goes for Brian Rust. He had a seemingly down season, but still scored 20 goals. Uh, the core of this team and the leadership of this team and the top tier of this team is still some of the best in the National Hockey League. Now it's all about can they get the goaltending? Can they get the defense? And can they get the bottom six that's at least able to supplant these guys and get them into the playoffs? And then once you're in the playoffs, as we saw from Florida, anything can happen. Excellent, excellent stuff, stuff to hear. And you know, Penn's fans will be, will definitely be um, like, hey, we still got, we still got the band around for another year. So that's like you said, that's reason for optimism there in in, in Pittsburgh. Um, so let's flip that around. Why should fans be depressed heading into October? Depressed would be. In my eyes, a strong word, but why should they be pessimistic? Because there's a lot of work to be done. Uh, and as of right now, understandably, when we're recording this, Kyle Dubas has yet to make a single move. Well, he's only been there for two weeks at the moment we're recording this, but we'll see what happens this summer, what moves he does make. But if you're going to be pessimistic about this team, they're a team that is aging. They were the oldest team in the National Hockey League last season, and they're a team that needs a lot of work. It's not just, hey, they're a goalie away. Hey, they're a third-line center away like they were for all those years. No, they need to completely rebuild the bottom six. Right now they have uh, pieces here and pieces there, but they certainly don't have the puzzle together down in the bottom six. The defense, you know, we talked about it. Dumlin and Kulikov are gone. They still have over six NHL-capable defensemen, and they need to move some of those guys out. They need to move them, whether that be, you know, Jeff Petrie, which I know that the organization likes them, but... That's a big cap hit for somebody that didn't really give you much of a, of a bonus over what John Marino did the year prior. Uh, Jan Ruda was a, a listen. I like Jan Ruda. I, I think off the ice, he, he's one of my favorite Penguins at the moment. Uh, his interviews are great. Uh, his, his, anything that he does on uh, in the rooms that the Penguins do on social media, it seems like he's a great guy. And, and there's times where he's a good defenseman as well. But he wasn't that much better than Chad Ruweedle. He certainly wasn't three years, $2.75 million better than Chad Ruweedle, who was making just about a million dollars last season. So you need to cut the fat on the defense and you need to sharpen it up because when you drop from sixth, and this is a stat that I really look at for the Pittsburgh Penguins is to listen. You want to you want to put it on the goaltenders, that's fine. They weren't good enough in a lot of instances. But when your defense drops from sixth in the league and expected goals allowed per 60 to 21st in one season. It's not a good sign. And that was aging. That was the moves to, that Hextall made to get rid of Matheson and Marino and bring in Petrie and Ruda and and P.O. Joseph. Listen, he was a he was a rookie for all intents and purposes last season. I thought he was okay. Uh, but if you think that he's ready to be a top four defenseman in the NHL, I would have some pushback on that. Do I think he has the potential? Yes. But when you look at that defense, that's what I'm most pessimistic about because you can build a bottom six. There's bottom six players all over the NHL. And you could do better than the Penguins did last year. That's a low bar to climb. Goaltending, there's going to be a bunch of options. And Kyle Dubas having it as his top priority means that he's going to throw some money at it, which means it's it's probably going to be at least half decent, unless he, he makes a, a, a stupid mistake, in which case you're going to have more to be pessimistic about. 
Uh, but the defense is an issue because there's a lot of work to be done and not a lot of maneuvering th that you're able to do when you have that many guys under contract. Understood. And uh, you make a very good point that is, you know, people are very quick to blame Jari. And while there is some blame to be said there, when your defense drops 20 spots in over one season, there's reason to be concerned. But whatever the reasons may be, that's why we still have to say this to the Pittsburgh Penguins. We we say Game over, yeah! uh, never get tired of hearing that that sound bite. So, Nick, brother, thank you so much for coming on, man. And uh, before we go, we'll give you a spot to uh, promote your podcast or whatever else you guys are working on. So, Nick, the board is thine. Well, uh, anybody listening out there, if they for some reason enjoyed what I had to say, uh, then you can find me on my own podcast, Tip of the Iceberg with Nick Horwat. Yes, it is two Nicks. No, it is not as confusing as it sounds. And yes, we do sometimes bring on a third Nick. Uh, but uh, at this point, you can follow us at Iceberg Podcast on Twitter. We're at Tip of the Iceberg Podcast on Facebook as well or anywhere you get your podcast from. But if you like video versions see the, the background I have, see Nick Horwath's background. Uh, we're also on Inside the Penguins on YouTube. Certainly a growing page there. We're looking to do more there. So uh, again, YouTube, Inside the Penguins, anywhere you get your podcast from by searching Tip of the Iceberg. And if you want to follow my personal for some reason as well, uh, Nick underscore Berlansky on Twitter. Uh, but thanks for having me on, Richard. It's always a great time. Uh, and hopefully next year, if I'm invited back, on game over, we're talking about game over Pittsburgh Penguins with a, a sixth Stanley Cup. And if that's the case, you guys will be the last one on, and we'll be talk hopefully talking to you a lot later in this, possibly late July or August. Um, not putting you guys on at in June or whenever this drops as well. But Nick, thank you as always, and thanks to all of you for tuning in to game over as well. We've got more teams coming as the off season continues. Maybe we might get your favorite team. We might be not. We don't even know who's coming up next, but for now, everyone it's game over and I'll catch you next time. Thank you for downloading this episode of the grit and Barrett podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe on whatever podcast platform you are currently listening to. If you are listening on Apple or Google, please leave us a five-star review as it appeases our algorithm overlords. If you enjoyed this podcast, please check out the Hockey Podcast Network, where there is a podcast for each and every NHL team. We also cover the American Hockey League. They have a podcast about college hockey and all the ins and outs of the hockey world. If you wish to know more about our parent club, please check out the official Caps Chirps podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network as they cover all things Washington Capitals. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Grit and Barrett P1 on Twitter. That's at Grit and Barrett P1 on Twitter. This podcast is dedicated to the memory of Patricia Blosser, who passed away on December 5th, 2020 to dementia and COVID. The show is also dedicated to all of the Hershey Bears' friends, fans, and family who lost their lives to cancer. Cancer sucks. Thank you once again for listening to the Grit and Barrett podcast, and go Bears. Go Bears!